very massive subject is the subject of work. And little remembered in the fourth commandment is six days shalt thou labor. And it should not be a surprise to us that the original institutions in the Garden of Eden are found quite often in Proverbs, the subject of religion or uh, as found in keeping the Sabbath holy, the subject of work, where the Lord planted the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to take care of, and then the subject of marriage, which we considered a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, but in a real sense we can say indeed that marriage was made for man and work was made for man. That We see these as blessings, as gifts from the Lord. In other words, <clears throat> the Sabbath and marriage and work were not merely made for the believer or for the Christian, but was made for mankind. They are gifts from the Lord. And we've considered... Um, the subject of the Lord's Day in, in the book of Proverbs as uh, what we might say inferred from passages like My Son, Keep My Laws, the Apple of Your Eye. And we know that the fourth commandment is part of God's law. And we looked at marriage being a covenant a couple of weeks ago as also found in the book of Proverbs that a good woman is from the Lord, a crown to her husband. In the last chapter, speaking of a marriage being a, a joint effort and a huge part of the, the, uh, the blessing is the woman's household mentioned four times in chapter 31. Well, we've looked, we, beginning, we began to look at the subject of a good work ethic last Lord's Day. And again, this subject is massive even compared to marriage and something like the Lord's Day. We can understand Proverbs is a book of wisdom, skill, and how to live in this world. And a major part is six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. A forgotten command. But from the very get-go, Proverbs uh, begins with avoiding dirty work. The evil ones that will say, cast in your lot among us. They're greedy of gain. Uh, the thief, the, uh, the uh, person that is, that is uh, seeking to gain wealth by vanity. These are to be avoided by God's people. And early on in Proverbs, the, the subject of tithe is um, taught. Chapter 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance or with thy wealth and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, you have at least the four of the, of the uh, legitimate ways of gaining wealth. One is by work, and that's the major part in Proverbs, by a good work ethic. The others would be by gift, by inheritance. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children or to his grandchildren, if possible. It's not always possible. And investment, these are four legitimate ways to gain wealth, but the major one is to work, a good work ethic. Uh, Proverbs warns us to, to avoid laboring to become rich. And 
recognize that wisdom is a better merchandise than silver or gold. As a matter of fact, wisdom actually is that which God uses to bring length of days and riches, chapters 3 and chapter 8. A reminder that we're following the Lord when we labor. Uh, six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas, and all, all that in them is, and the seventh day He rested. But uh, the Bible reminds us that God labored to produce earth and heaven, chapters 3.19 and 8.27. But God did not cease laboring after He made the heavens and the earth. We're told, for instance, in chapter 3 and verse 20, that God continues to labor and that the clouds drop down the dew. He sends rain. He sends the sunshine. He, uh, he continues His works of providence, maintaining His creation. Remember, Jesus said, I work and My Father works. He equated Himself with the Father, but He, uh, he showed that God labors. God is a God of, of labor, of effort, of activity. And the Lord Jesus continues at the right hand of God subduing His and our enemies and uh, restraining and, and uh, defeating them and also subduing us to Himself and, and guiding us. So the Lord is active from the right hand of the Father. And God's people are to be known for those who labor. We are not to be lazy and uh, we labor while we can. Remember Jesus' famous words, the night cometh when no man can labor. So let us remember our time is short. The Lord warns benefactors and employers to withhold not good from from them to whom it is due, whether it be the laborer or the person in need. We can supply it. We should not be like the Levite and the priest that went on the other side of the road and didn't want to help the, uh, the man that was robbed and left for dead, but the Good Samaritan came along and took care of him. We are to be generous, generous, compassionate, and righteous. In Proverbs, we are given several ways in which we can waste our wealth. And a major one is immorality, the strange woman uh, who's, who becomes filled with the wealth of the person that she tempts and causes to fall. And the person may, be, may get disease from his immorality and his flesh and body are consumed and, of course, loses his wealth. A whorish woman brings a man to a piece of bread, chapter 6 and verse 26. So immorality, whether it be from on the male or the female side, is a waste of wealth um, other, and certainly a, a breach of God's command. Greed. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Beware of greed. Beware of loving pleasure, wine, and oil. Uh, generally speaking, will bring a person to poverty. Chapter 21 and verse 17. Oppressing the poor will waste your wealth. Bad deals and, and, and uh, thoughtless indebtedness. The borrower's, borrower's servant to the lender. Be careful that, uh, that we enter into false de- uh, debts, false Um, deals with individuals or companies. Be very careful about lending your wealth, your money in a a deal that can cause you to to lose what you have have, uh, labored for so, so hard. 
deceit, false balances are abomination to the Lord. We're to be honest in our business dealings. Vanity, whatever that might be. Um, undue risk taking with your your well-earned wealth. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Sloth is a huge uh, way in which not only you can't gain wealth, but a person can become a sloth and lose what he's gained. Uh, The Bible warns us about the sloth. Give not sleep to thine eyes or slumber to thine eyelids. The slothful shall be under tribute. Chapter 12, verse 24. The slothful person says there's a lion outside. Gives every excuse why they can't work. Uh, The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing. The talk of the lips only tends to poverty. Chapter 14, verse 23. Bribery is also another way to to lose wealth. A gift to pervert judgment and justice. And how that goes on behind the scenes so often in so many places the Lord sees remember the ant was the illustration of the worker go to the ant thou sluggard the ant doesn't seem to have any overseer guide or ruler I don't know if, I've ever, if you've ever seen an ant colony but it doesn't seem like you've ever seen an ant in the, standing off to the side giving marching orders to the other ants they all seem to be in the same line doing the same work and yet in the summer they gather and in the, in the, uh, also store up for the winter. That illustration given to us at least twice in Proverbs. And uh, an illustration of a worker is a homemaking wife, mother. Wisdom hath built her house. She has furnished her table. That is a, a wise woman who personifies wisdom. Uh, versus a foolish woman that tears down her household. And then, of course, the reading that we all engaged in this uh, this afternoon, Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman that takes care of her household. Diligence is is uh, often um, promoted in Proverbs. The hand of the diligent maketh rich. That is, the diligent person is a hard worker. That's the idea. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. And so speaks of hard work and, and preparation. Now the sloth or the sluggard is mentioned over and over and over and over again. And I mentioned it briefly. But we don't want to degenerate into a sluggard or a sloth who becomes poor that deals with a lazy hand. The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Again, the excuses and this making things hard for himself. The slothful is brother to him that is a great waster. The slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. It's so hard just even to pull your hand out of your bosom. Or even the Bible says the slothful will not uh, roast, will not eat what he has caught in hunting. He's so tired out from the hunting he loses what he has gained. Uh, and the field of the slothful is like the stone wall that's broken down in chapter 24. The slothful, if you ever, does, does it ever aggravate you that you have a door that, that squeaks when it's turning on its hinges? Uh, 
probably comes to the point where we, about 2 o'clock in the morning, we end up getting that little bottle of, of oil to, to send the drips into the, into the, um, uh, the hinge there. Um, been there, done that. And the sluggard is wiser than seven men that can render a reason. So he's got seven counselors saying you need to work hard. And he has all the confidence in the world that his advice is much better. It's just obviously these are these are uh, figures of speech that indicate the sarcasm of of a sluggard, and uh, the world is full, and uh, many are are voted into office because they promise handouts and enabling thousands and thousands of people to uh, to gain wealth without labor. And we all understand there are people that cannot work and people that are hard at work looking for jobs. I mean, that's a job. That's hard work, looking for a, an appropriate job in the will of God. But those that just sit idle and just want handouts, these are warned. And Paul warned Thessalonian believers not to help the Christians that were not willing to work. We need divine blessing upon our work. You just can't think that by working itself we're going to be blessed. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Chapter 10, verse 22. And uh, the righteous man eateth to the satisfaction of his soul. I think what it's saying there is there's enjoyment related to godliness in hard work with the belly of the wicked uh, to waste or to want. Now, Proverbs gives us many good business practices. And I know I'm basically speaking to the choir, but, but it's just amazing how, how uh, replete Proverbs is about good business practices. Hold your hat for a moment. Just saving is a good business practice. He that gathers in summer. Being a hard worker will give you purchase power. A ran- the ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor hate, hear not rebuke. There's a, there's a point being made there that if you're a hard worker, you'll have p- purchase power, not in a self-centered way, but you'll have, you'll have the ability to help others because you have, have worked hard. Um, the hard worker is taught to strike when it's hot. Chapter 10 and verse 5 says, He that sleepeth in harvest is shameful. You take advantage of seasons, especially those workers that are seasonal. You do all the best you can in the season of labor to strike when it's hot, to work hard, because you know that sometimes weeks and months are coming when people might be put on, um, what do they call it, the uh, your unemployment, layoffs and so on. You hope that doesn't happen, but there are people that, that by, the, by their profession, there are seasons when they cannot work. For instance, often in western New York, the winter months are, are very difficult to find indoor jobs for many carpenters. Honesty is taught in Proverbs. Just weight is God's delight. Just weight and balance are the Lord's. And so we need to be honest, even if it's to our fault, even if it's to our hurt. We are to be honest in our dealings. 
Generosity is a is a uh, um, a matter that is taught in Proverbs. Whoever scatters shall increase. A liberal soul shall be made fat. He that watereth shall water be watered. The rich, there's a there's a wealth that has nothing, and there are those that become poor and yet are rich. Those who have pity upon the poor lend to the Lord. A bountiful eye shall be blessed. Proverbs is full of the uh, uh, encouragement to be generous in our giving. Just like Paul says, that he, those that stole, let them steal no more. But let them labor with their hands, not only to be able to provide for their own, but they may have those to give to those that are in need. Equity in our business practices. Um, he that sells corn... It'll be a blessing, but he that withholds it shall the people curse. And so there are those that will unrighteously withhold certain items from being sold because there's a point, obviously, as a businessman, you want to sell high as far as your commodities are concerned, but in times of need, that's the idea there that the person even in in a famine may not sell the corn because it's too low. And he waits, and yet people starve. And so the Lord tells us to be just and equitable. There is the employment of others to help in your labors that it may be wise. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honors himself and lacks bread. And so there's a point of delegating responsibility in the household and even in the business. Sometimes we think we'll do it ourselves, and yet it's good to be able to employ others and to teach our children to fish. It's interesting how the Lord tells us to be kind to our beasts, and that certainly is an application to your employees. But the righteous man regards the life of his beast. I can remember a relative throwing a puppy against the wall and something like that you can't forget. And, uh, um, needless to say, the person was not a righteous person who ended very well in his life. But remember Boaz, when he greeted his, his employees in the field, he said, the Lord be with you. He really had a kind uh, spirit, and a, a, a spiritual burden for his his workers. He didn't just see dollar signs or coins, you know, in his mind. He was he saw the souls of his workers and he was more concerned about them. You remember my grandfather worked for uh, having to be a Jewish man, it was very, very generous. My grandfather uh, didn't make very much money, but I remember him saying that at Christmas time that his boss gave him a thousand dollars. I mean back in the nineteen seventies. That was a huge uh, gift for someone. And, and uh, he, my, my grandfather told me how merciful this rich man was to his employees. He was very, very kind to him. And it'll go a long way, won't it, to be kind to those that serve us. Planning is taught in Proverbs. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Prepare thy work without and Make your, your house fit. Chapter 24. The wicked desire the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The idea there, there again is planning. Much food is in the tillage of the poor, 
what there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. Where the ox is missing, the crib is clean. But where the ox is found, there's going to be the, the, the uh, full crib. The idea there, again, is planning, is uh, good business practice. And may I say a good wife? And we could certainly say a good husband. A virtuous woman is a crown. She is a complementary to her husband. She facilitates mentally, financially, spiritually, socially, the household. A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Uh, the husband has no need of spoil. He doesn't have to feel like he's got to compensate for a wife that continues to, to uh, jack up the, the uh, credit card uh, numbers. How often have poor husbands or wives found out that their spouses have, have uh, maxed not only one, two, three, many credit cards to their dismay and shock. Beware of credit cards, brother and sister. Beware of credit cards. I'm not saying don't have them. But I'm saying do it all, all we can to make sure they're paid at, at, the, at, the, uh, at the end of the month. The Bible's principle is he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. And that certainly includes marriage. And a companion of fools shall be destroyed. person should appreciate his gain. The substance of a diligent man is precious. You should appreciate the gain that comes from hard work. Finishing a job is a principle. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Maybe we're, sometimes we have the habit of, of, of just uh, half finishing a job or not finishing it. And uh, we need to be careful if we start a job that we should try to finish it. But I know some of us have many many uh, irons in the fire but it's good is it not to, to finish a job don't you love uh, when you're able to to uh, start an oil change and actually to finish it how many times have I started an oil change and I've, and I've uh, uh, stripped the, the nut or I didn't buy the right oil or I didn't buy the right oil filter or I didn't have the right tool. Whatever the reason, it's so nice, even if you have dirt under your fingernails, to be able to get up and take a rag and wipe your hands, start your vehicle and know that there's fresh oil. You feel like there's new blood. Don't you wish you could do that with your blood every week? Have a, have a blood change? <laughs> I guess we could if we drank more water. Right, Tanya? Trust funds, if possible. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. Chapter 13, verse 22. May I say that love and humility, even if there's a lack of wealth, is better than wealth without love in the home. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. That's saying even just having a little. If you can't, if you can't, produce an inheritance. There are many believers in the past that were never able to give an inheritance to their children or their grandchildren. But their children and grandchildren remember love in the home. They remember prayer. They remember the love of the Lord and the kindness of their parents. The fear of the Lord. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. 
Oh, that God would give us godliness in our homes. That's worth more than all the silver and the gold that we could ever give. The Bible tells us to be careful that we use our wealth to, to tithe. Chapter 3 and verse 10. To hold it loosely, not to trust in our wealth. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, but the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Riches, remember, profit not in the, in the day of wrath. You cannot bribe God to give you eternal life. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's righteousness that delivers from death. Do you have the righteousness of Christ? Do you, do you know the Lord? If you trust, trust in your riches, Proverbs 11.28 says you'll, you'll fall. And so often we find the rich man's wealth is his false security. He treats everybody with disdain. He's got more than enough buying power. He's got all that he wants. But when it comes to die, his money won't get him help. When the doctor says, there's nothing else I can do, money cannot give you your health back. Money will not prepare you for eternity. You can't take it with you. People have been buried with their money. But the Bible teaches you either woke up naked in hell or you woke up naked in heaven, as it were. Naked came I into the world, and naked shall I return. But remember, as the New Testament tells us, use your wealth to win souls. Wealth maketh many friends. And that can be taken negatively, but it can be taken positively. Wealth maketh many friends. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. And again, these things can be taken negatively. But the Bible says, He that winneth souls is wise. And the New Testament tells us about using your wealth to win people, to, to uh, point them to eternity. When you see them in heaven, I'm paraphrasing, they'll give you thanks for using your wealth uh, to point their souls in the right direction. Do all we can to, to, to have literature, to have Bibles on hand, to be ready to give someone a lunch or money for gas, whatever it takes to use our wealth to point people on their way to, to, uh, to the Lord and to eternity. It's sweet to the soul to labor, even though it's sweat to the face. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth of him. I think the point is, we know we have needs, not only our own physical needs and our family's needs, but in order to be able to reach souls, we've got to have the wherewithal to do so. And uh, it says in Proverbs 16.26 that that burden, that craving, drives us to work. But we again have to be careful. Chapter 23 and verse 4, Labor not to be rich, but labor to serve the Lord and to honor Him. But could I close as we think about our, our time around the Lord's table? The Lord Jesus had to work to save our souls. When you think of the cross of Calvary, you think about excruciating work to save us. Such poise and such patience and such willingness. Jesus worked all the way to Calvary. And even when He was on Calvary's tree, what was He doing? He was working. He was honoring His mother. He was winning souls. He was instructing His disciples like John 
Jesus didn't cease working until he ceased breathing. And isn't that the way it should be? Salvation took the work of Jesus Christ. For 30 plus years, Jesus worked in a carpenter shop and worked teaching and preaching and healing. Winning souls. Discipling His people. Honoring His Father. Rebuking the wicked. Resisting the devil. Walking in the Spirit. Jesus worked by the sweat of His face and the sweat of His heart. Let us remember as we come to the Lord's table this afternoon that Jesus had to work for our salvation. It's free to you and me. It's a gift. But it was earned by Christ. Now that you and I are saved, let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let us serve the Lord best of our ability with His help. And uh, not cease laboring for the Lord until we cease breathing.